Okay, we're in the same passage of scripture we were in last week. John chapter 14. A little bit of different emphasis this morning. And next week we'll be in the same passage of scripture with a different emphasis. John chapter 14. This is a powerful, just a John, John 14. And all the, that, the ramifications of what Jesus is saying to his disciples here. So it's good to see all of you. It really is. You know, oh, look at there's Paul. You know. And uh, bit by bit, we see people returning. And it's, it's truly, it's good. It's good. There's nothing like being together with God's people. Absolutely. Absolutely nothing. And, and we're glad you're here. Oh, the Rubensteins, how are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Been praying for you. Every time I call you, your mailbox is full. I want you to know that. So. <laughs> I don't know if it's because you have caller ID and you've, 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 you've got a switch or whatever it is you do over there. But uh, uh, praise team, thank you for sharing this morning. I got a call from a pastor friend of mine uh, in, a, in a large church, and he says, your praise team is amazing. And he says, I like their energy. I like the, you know, the, the, their, their love. And so I just want to share that with you. Um, let's, uh, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we're thankful to be together. And in these months, that uh, year that, that has gone by, it, it's been uh, uh, just difficult for the body. And uh, we, we, we love to be together. And we want to be together. We want to worship you together. We want to uh, see each other, uh, rejoice in each other, and pray for each other. And, and we're thankful for the gathered church as we come. We pray, Lord, that as we share together, that you would, you would just, just overwhelm us, to, just to be in the presence of your people and your church and, and the Lord and have the Holy Spirit here with us. And we're, thank, we're so thankful for that. And uh, we just revel, revel in that. Pray for those who are struggling today, going through difficult uh, difficulties, and uh, those that we mentioned. And we also want to mention Sue, who, uh, Gibson, who fell. And just pray that you'd be upon her. And uh, so we're, we're thankful this morning for the opportunity to gather together. And we ask that you would uh, open our hearts to this word that you have from the scriptures. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, today uh, you don't need a lot of uh, scriptural exegesis on my part to make this interesting or to make it convicting. Just some powerful words from scripture. Whether you've been in the faith for a long time and uh, you're, you're a long time believer in the Lord, or whether you're a new Christian, what Jesus says here in some ways is the most basic message of the Bible. And uh, Philip says, if you want to look at it in the 14th, reading in verse 8, it says, Lord, if, if, if you would just show us the Father, give us a vision, we'd be okay. We'd be okay. And then Jesus says, Philip, look at me. Through me, right now, you can know the Father. And then we talked last week about I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father 
except through me. All right, let's stand for this passage. Philip said, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? You may be seated. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God endures forever. The trend today, as experts, experts uh, say, is toward more urbanization. Uh, people moving to the, the cities, kind of changing now, people not liking that so much, but, and also toward a high-tech society. Uh, and because of that, we yearn for the personal. We yearn for things that are personal. Makes sense, doesn't it? Makes sense. Have you ever had a fight with your computer? You know? <laughs> we had a medical bill that came recently to our home, and I, and I thought, well, this is not right. This bill's not right. Uh, you know, we don't, we don't owe this, and we, we, you know, we, our insurance should have done this, and, and uh, it was all wrong, and the, the computer kept sending me notices and saying, you know, we didn't receive your payment. And I said, no, 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 no. You, you, my friend, are wrong. Uh, and you get on the phone, and you call, and you talk to another machine, right? Another notification comes, didn't get your payment. And you think, I sent it. I've got, I've got records. i got records of this. Can I just talk to a person? Can I just talk to somebody, and we can get this straightened out? The mobility of our society also continues to feed into this thing. It used to be that, that our neighbors that we lived next to, we, we were there for 20, 30, 40 years. And our neighbors, we knew all the neighbors that were around us. And, and it used to be that we worked at the same company for 30 years, but no more. We long for the personal, the personal. The Bible tells us the solution to this problem is the gospel. It's the gospel. The essence of Christianity is relating to a personal God. Everything else in the Christian faith is secondary and flows out of this relationship. You know, we, I just went through a couple songs. We sing songs, you know, his eye is on the sparrow and he, personal, watches me. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow, you know. Or, or, oh, how he loves you and me. It's all personal. The songs are personal. When I was a little boy, I was talking to once, and my father was listening to me. I was talking about the Holy Spirit, and I called the Holy Spirit an it, and my dad said, Thomas, the Holy Spirit isn't an it. The Holy Spirit is a person. God is a person. He's called in Scripture our Heavenly Father. Jesus says, pray like this, right? Our Father, who art in heaven, a person. It's a person, he's personal. 
The great prayers of the Bible are almost always about personal knowledge, of gaining personal knowledge. In Ephesians 1, Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened. Why? So that you would know this person. In Ephesians 3, it says, I pray that you might know the love of God. Person's love. The Bible says we're obsessed with knowing ourselves, ourselves. But our real problem is we don't know God personally. We don't know God personally. When you look at a knot, you know, you get a knot somewhere, you got tangled up and it's all, you know, a mess. And you try to get it open, you tug and you, you, you fuss with it and you move at it. You, and the more you tug at something, it gets worse. It gets worse. And then you find this one strand and you pull it. And somehow that's the one. And everything, the whole thing falls open. Personal knowledge of God is that strand. It's that strand. It's the key to everything. It's also the reason people have problems with Christianity. Big problems. In verse 9, Jesus says, Philip, have I known you for so long and you still don't know me? Jesus is saying, Philip, it's possible to know everything. Everything that I've taught you, feed the hungry, heal the sick, and miss the point. Philip, Philip. Now, Philip was in the inner circle, right? He was one of, the, one of them. This is really remarkable. Philip, Philip, don't you know me? Don't you know me? So you sit down with someone and you gather information about that individual, someone that you meet for the first time. Where are you from, right? Where are you from? Who, who are you? What do you do for a living? Where do you live? You get all these questions. But if you really want to know that person, you got to get personal. You got to get personal with them. You talk about what's really important to you in your life, how you actually live your life, things that matter, heart issues that come out that bother you. What's it, what hurts? What makes you smile? What helps? What helps you in your life? What makes you tick? What makes you go? And at some point, you move to what's personal and say. You know, we've become friends. We've become friends. And you talk about the way you actually live. Here's the bottom line. John 17 and verse 3 says this. Jesus says, this is eternal life. That they know me. They know me. The only true God, they know me. Jesus says the definition of life is knowing God. It's your, we talked last week, it's your logos. It's what you were built for. It's your life. In Jeremiah 9, God says, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the strong man boast in his strength. Let, no, we sing that song, right? Don't let the wise man boast in his wisdom. Praise team, up here, right now. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts, boast who? What? What? In the Lord. In the Lord. That he understands me and that he knows me. Boast in that. The Bible is saying the satisfaction of knowing God is greater than being the wisest, mightiest, or even the richest person in the world. 
you know, Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, Zuckerberg, Buffett, all these guys. Jesus is my father created it all. I'm richer than all those guys. My father owes the cattle on a thousand hills. My father created the universe. Ask the average Christian, why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus come? And you get all kinds of answers from that, and right, wrong, whatnot, you know, uh, but ask Jesus why he came. And what does Jesus say? Philip, Philip, I came, I died, I was raised, I passed through the heavens, and now I'm seated at the right hand of the Father. Why? Why? So that you might know him. So that you might know the Father. So secondly, this morning, knowing the Father is problematic. It's a problem for people. Jesus says, I'm the way. I'm the way. People say, how dare you say something like that? Who do you think, how dare Christianity be like that? You know, uh, I don't like it. I just don't like it. It's too exclusive, you know. Can I, can I <laughs> kindly suggest that the problem here is that Christianity is too personal for you? Too personal? In a sense, the New Testament will not even speak to you about anything until you answer this question, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Answer that question. Who does he say that he is? The New Testament won't talk to you about your life, won't talk to you about intellectual questions that you might have, or even how you get your personal needs met. It continually comes back to the same thing again and again and again. Who do you say he is? First, who do you say he is? See, that's, that's the strand. That's the strand that you pull. Who is Jesus? You know? And this bugs us. We don't like this. This is, this is, we have questions. We have intellectual questions. We have philosophical questions. And here's a big one. Comes up all the time. Why does God allow evil and suffering in the world? And that comes up all the time from people. Why did God let this happen to me? Look what's going on in my life. You know? And what, what, what about the people who never heard of me? I mean, there's all these questions. What's up with that? What's up with that? Doesn't make sense to me. But the New Testament is so focused. It's so focused. It says, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. None of that, none of that is going to make sense until you answer this question. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Do you accept that? What he said that he's the son of the living God, that he's the king of heaven, that he's at the right hand of the Father. And if you do, have you moved from the, 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 the intellectual knowledge to a personal knowledge and say, he has, that because of that, he has to be the central person in my life. He has to be the central person in my life. The Bible says, until you decide whether what he's saying about himself is true, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. Until you make personal connection with him, none of these other things will make sense. 
and I'm not going to talk to you about them. And boy, that bugs us. That bugs us. I've got questions. I've got intellectual questions. The Bible says, if Christianity was primarily a philosophy, ask away. Ask away. But since it's a personal relationship, you have to go to the person first. Nicodemus, he had questions. You know, he wanted to have a discussion about religion with Jesus, and Jesus says, you've got to be born again, right? Nicodemus says, well, I just want these questions. I just got questions. People say, what about my needs? What about my needs? What Jesus doing about all these things? No, 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 no. Christianity is about a personal relationship first. Your relationship to him. It's like marriage. You know, it's like marriage, right? Married people... You know, there's a, a lot of business involved in marriage. A lot of things you got to do together that, that, you know, the contractual things that happen. A lot of marriage stuff that you, you have to do together. And I know this happens. <laughs> because Mary says, what do you mean, oh? <laughs> she says, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I can't talk about this stuff now. Our relationship's not right. I can't talk about this now. Our relationship's not right until our relationship is right. And she's right. Again. (laughs) Why? Why, Lord? Because marriage is primarily a relationship. It's a relationship. It's personal knowing of the other person. And unless that is right, unless that is straight, all these other things. There's a lot to say about society. I mean, we could say a lot of things. I could preach every Sunday on the social ills. There's a lot to say about society, philosophy, psychology, and all of these things. But Christianity is first coming to a person. And if you're not willing to do that, people, this is beyond importance. It's beyond importance. People say, that well, there's a lot of things about Jesus that are attractive to me. I like him. You know, we talked about this last Sunday. But the virgin birth, the authority of scripture, the resurrection, this stuff of uh, Jesus is the only way to God. Come on. Don't like it. I don't like it. Don't get it and I don't like it. And by the way, how the heck can you know him personally? I don't get it. And I'll tell you how. I'll tell you how. First, you know what the Bible says. The Bible says, if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. You will find me. God wants to be found. God wants to be found. You go to the scriptures, you get a sense of who he is. You look at the word of God, you get a sense from the word of God of who Jesus is, his strength, his tenderness, his wisdom. You look at his, all of that and you go to him personally and you say, you talk, yes, he's a person. You talk to him. You actually say something to him. You talk to him. He's a person. You know, I'd, say, I'd say something like, help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. 
If you're a person, do something. I'm struggling. I'm struggling. Talk to me. You talk to him, he'll talk to you. You see that in scripture where he says that if you draw close to me, I'll draw close to you, right? I'll draw close to you. In John chapter 7, the rulers of the synagogue, in this passage of scripture, they're, uh, they're wanting to get Jesus by this time. And so they send a group of officers out to get him. They want to arrest him. And they come back and remember they don't have him. And so they're upset and they say, what's the deal? What's going on here? What happened? Why don't you have him? Do, do you know what the officers said? You know what they said? They're looking at these religious leaders and said, we never heard anyone speak like this guy. We're, they were just dumbfounded. And they went back without him. We, we never heard anybody speak like this. They were saying, you know what, religious leaders? When we were sitting together in the room and we were arguing about all this stuff, talking about all this stuff, reflecting intellectually about this Jesus, we all agreed. It was clear he could not be the person that he claimed to be. But when we actually saw him, when we actually came into a personal contact with this guy, we heard his words, we realized this guy's real. This person is real. If you have doubts, okay, okay. Be honest, be honest. Is my problem with him intellectual or is it personal? Is it personal? I gotta come to him first, that's what scripture says. Who do you say I am? You gotta come to him first, why? Because Christianity is personal, it's personal. Now, I, I, I think it's true that the exclusive claims of Jesus that people hate so much come because Christianity is so personal. I think that's true. People hate the fact that Jesus makes these claims. I'm gonna be the way and the truth and the life and no one, no one, no one I'm going to be in your life as truth. I'm going to be in your life as truth. It can't be halfway. It can't be halfway. And people hate that. Hate that. Who does he think he is? The only truth? Come on. The only truth? The only way he's the only one? You know, that's it? Again, it's because he's personal. He's a person. Anybody who has entered into a personal relationship has begun to lose control of your life. It's inevitable. Isn't that right? Married people? I don't want to get married because I don't want to lose my independence. I don't want to lose control of my life. Hello? Hello? If you don't want to lose control of your life, you have to avoid a lot more than marriage. Because the minute you get into a friendship with someone, you begin to lose control of your life. Your good friend calls up one day and says, guess what, I'm leaving Michigan. 
I found this job. I'm going over here to this state, and the movers are coming next week, and I just thought I'd say goodbye. And how do you feel? Dis- devastated? Disappointed? What do you mean? You're, what do you mean? What do you mean you're leaving? We're friends. You should have talked to me about it. You should have let me know. At least talk to me. You intrinsically know that the deeper a personal relationship is, the less that person has a right to act independently. Isn't that right? C.S. Lewis made this quote, and I loved it. Brilliant quote. He said this, to love it all is to be vulnerable. If you don't want your heart to be broken, give it to nobody. Wrap it up carefully around hobbies. Lock it up in the casket of your selfishness. But in that casket, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. He's saying here, if you avoid personal knowing and keep control of your life, you will lose your very self. That's how important it is for us to gather, to be with one another, to open our lives to one another. Since we know that about personal relationships, that you will lose control. If there's a God, now think about this, and this God is the greatest person in the universe. The greatest person in the universe. Doesn't it make sense that to get into a relationship with him would bring incredible demands for absolute commitment and a total loss of control? That's why Jesus can say, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And that means I have to be you know, just take it, the life. I have to be your reason to live. I am life, you know. I, I, I'm not here to help your career. I'm the reason for your career. I'm not here to help your life. I am your life. I'm the reason for your life. The greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your strength, with all your soul. I am your life. Total commitment. And secondly, he says, I'm truth. We talked about this. My teachings have to have precedence over your feelings, over public opinion, over the opinions of your friends, over even family. You say, well, that's absolute. It's because he's personal. It's because he's personal. And then he says, I'm the way. Oh, that bugs us. <laughs> I'm the way. Lots of ways. <laughs> what about a good Buddhist? What about my neighbor's really a good person? He's not a Christian. What would Jesus say? Jesus says, I'm the way to the Father. But that's the way it is with the person. That's the way it is with the person. If you want to get to know a person, you say, I, I, I want to get you know, to know you. And they say, well, not here. Let's do lunch. Let's, let's talk over lunch. And what if you say, no, no, it has to be right here. I'm going to talk to you right here. 
And you say, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to talk right here. Don't want to do that. If that person says it has to be over lunch, it has to be over lunch or you're not going to get in. You know, you're not going to be able to talk to that person. You say, no, 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 right here, right now, my way, my way. You're not treating that individual as a person. You see that? Here's a great football player. I mean, he's a, you know, whoever. We could be the, or Tiger Woods, you know, what he's going through this week. The great, great golfer. And uh, he falls in love with this woman, right? And the woman, he says, hey, I'd like to get to know you. And he says, look, I'm a, I'm a great athlete. I'm a great football player. And she says, well, you know, I don't even like sports. I don't, I don't watch football. I don't care about it. don't like it at all. It means nothing to me. What really turns me on is literature. <laughs> literature. Okay. So he says, no. Forget it. Forget it. The way to your heart, your heart is through football. It's through football. And here's a book on football. Read it. Read it. Study this. See, with persons, you can't do that. You can't do that. I'm going to get into your heart the way I want to get into your heart. By my effort. By what I think is important. Hearts are open from the inside. They're open from the inside. Christianity is a religion of revelation. God revealing himself. That means Christianity says you don't find God through your efforts or through your discovery. Jesus says, I'm the way in. I'm the way in to knowing the Father. People say, well, I'm sorry. There's got to be some other way. I, you know. He says, no, there is no other way. I'm a person. I'm a person. And I'm the way into the Father. It's about a personal relationship. And I am the person that sets the terms. Does that seem exclusive? I mean, does that seem exclusive? But that's the way you are. That's the way I am. Someone says, you know, Tom, I, nobody wants to, but I'd like to know you better. <laughs> I want to be friends, and I'm going to choose any way I want to be friends with you. I'd say drop dead. No, you don't. No, 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 I'm a person. You don't choose how you get to know me. This is the way in. Jesus is so personal. He is so personal. Do you know him? Is he real to you? I think God has a right as the greatest person in the universe, in the universe, to say, this is the way I want you to know me, my son. I sent my son. I sent my son. That's Christianity. That's Christianity. Last thing I want to say, someone says, well, how do I know if it's really him? When, when, when Philip says, Jesus, show us the Father and everything will be all right, that'll be enough for us. What he's literally saying there is give us an appearance. 
You know, show us. You know, give us a vision of, of this. Show us. Give us an appearance. A, a lot of us think, yeah, yeah, that would be great. I mean, if, if he just would show us, you know. But Jesus knows that there's thousands of people who saw him face to face. Thousands of people saw his miracles. But in Acts chapter 1, how many believers were there? 120. After he died. He knows that's not what you need. Jesus says, Philip, if you see me, you've seen the Father. And the word see there means to understand. It, it, it's like I see you with my eyes, but we also say, oh, oh, I get it, right? That's an under, I understand, I get it, I get it. Let me give you an example of that. In, the, in one of the churches I was serving, uh, I preached a lot of sermons. You know I'm especially in love with thoughts on the cross. I love to preach about the cross when it comes uh, up in the scriptures. And years ago after service, a guy comes up to me and he says, I've never heard that before. I've never heard that before. Now I knew I preached on the cross a lot. <laughs> you know, why didn't he get it? You know, and the answer is, the answer is, for the first time, he moved from an informational knowledge to a personal knowledge. What does it mean to know God? It means that information, the cross for example, stops being information and sinks down into here, sinks down into the heart sinks down into the heart and the mind and the soul. And this friend of mine says, I get it now. I get it now. I see the cross. Intellectually, the lights went on. Emotionally, it explodes. So all of it starts to make sense now. And all these pieces of life. He says, I've always believed in a general way that Jesus died for my sins, and now I know it. My guilt is gone. He really forgave me. There's intellectual, there's, there's emotions, and there's volition. Now he moves to volition. He says to me, he says, he says, if he did all this for me, I can't live like this anymore. I've been treating my wife terribly. Next thing I know, his wife is calling me on the phone. He said, what happened to my husband? He's so nice. <laughs> He's so nice. I've never seen him so forgiving. He is able to change you. He is able to change you. Here's a guy, and I knew him well. I, I, I knew his whole family. Uh, he, uh, who, who was in the church all of his life. All of his life. A man like Philip, who had been around Jesus for so long and didn't know him. And one day Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he says, God let the light shine into our hearts the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Do we get it? Do we get it? Listen. Is a relationship with God what you want? Is it what you want? Is it what you long for? Then whatever is in your way, get rid of it. Get rid of it. If it's business, get rid of it. If it's disobedience, if, what, if it's selling everything, whatever it is that's stopping you from this, 
Get rid of it. Get this. Because this is life. Get this. Nothing is worth keeping if you lose this. This is what you were created for. This is your logos. To know Jesus Christ. To know the Father in a personal way. Maybe there's somebody here who realizes that they don't know him at all. Look at him personally. Talk with him. He's a person. Talk to God. You know, he will definitely say, here I am. Here I am. Do you want to know him or do you just want to know about him? You praying, really, or are you just setting up flares? Are you talking to him? Are you talking to him? He says, whoever comes to me, I will not cast out. That's a promise. And he is able. He is able to change your life. We'll pray together. Father, we're thankful for the power of Scripture that uh, is here in this passage. It's so uh, personal. <laughs> and Lord, when we look at the whole thing of Scripture, that God sent his Son into the world, how personal is that? This great God of heaven sent his son and his son says, you know, I'm just like my dad. <laughs> if you see me, you've seen my dad. You've seen the father. Because he's a person. And he loves. He cares for us. He ministers to us. He gathers us together for worship and praising him. To show our love for one another, our love for our great father. And it is deeply personal. We pray for the hearts of your people here and those listening that, uh, that we recognize this. That when we go to him in prayer, it's just not a prayer. It's we're talking to our heavenly father. It's personal. We think of scripture, it's not about all the questions we have. It's, it's this question. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? I'm real. So Lord, we pray for our own hearts today that that, that would be uh, that which we focus on. Uh, not only this week, but in the weeks and months to come. The relationship we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. So we pray for that and we, we ask that in Jesus' name, amen.